your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my host, Cammy at Cammy Angie. Just want to remind you that this episode of the Locked On Longhorns podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. For all your automotive needs, it's easy, it's quick. Go to rockauto.com. When you check out, tell me your friends at Lockdown Longhorn sent you. Well, Cammy, yesterday we talked a little bit about it. We talked about Media Day. We talked about SEC scheduling, ACC scheduling. We posted the podcast yesterday, and then all hell broke loose. I know. It seems like right after we started discussing those schedule scenarios, I guess. Um, I don't know. Everyone caught on and just started throwing out news all over the place on Twitter. Yeah, so Ross Dellinger, who covers the LSU Tigers for Sports Illustrated, uh, he kind of broke the news that the SEC was moving over to this conference-only schedule, going with a 10-game schedule. Um, You know, we had thought maybe they might do an eight-game conference schedule, maybe two non-conference, maybe one non-conference. But they've Mm -hmm. decided, much like the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have talked about is going with conference only. So it's not like the ACC where they're doing that 10 plus one. But now that really hurts because those games that we expected to see, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, LSU, are not going to happen whatsoever. Uh, So, like, immediately, what was your, like, first reaction when you hear, oh, well, they've gone to non-conference or eliminate all non-conference games? Yeah, well, of course, uh, I guess everyone's first uh, gut instinct is that, wow, that's probably what the Big 12 is going to do because, um, I mean, really, what else can they do at this point? You know, I, I know they're talking about the plus one non-conference games, but if the SEC does, in fact, just go to conference only, I think um, that's pretty much what all the Power 5 conferences will do. Um, I was really kind of upset about the Texas LSU game. I know a lot of people were looking forward to that rematch after how exciting it was last year, and um, Texas kind of wanted that win back. And um, it hurts, I guess, as a whole for the NCAA and TV networks and advertisement and things like that. So it's a significant blow, I guess, for college football as a whole. Yeah, it really was. And I'm not going to lie, like, as as someone who covers Texas football, that part sucked. I was like, right. okay, well, there, there goes that game because, you know, we've all kind of been circling that game this year as the, you know, number one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and now the number one game for Texas becomes the Red River rivalry, which is still a huge game, but trying to knock off the defending national champions, that was going to be huge. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, it, it significantly would have impacted uh, the rankings too. And I think um, especially if the Longhorns came out of that game with the win, uh, obviously, that could have solidified um, them to be the favorites, I guess, in the Big 12. But, uh, I, yeah, it's rough. But like I keep saying, it's better than no football, right? Right. The only other thing that I was thinking about uh, once this news kind of broke was what about the if you're eliminating all non-conference games, so you're not getting, you know, we, we weren't going to get the USC-Alabama game. We're not getting the Ohio State-Oregon. You're not getting Texas-LSU. You're not getting Oklahoma-Tennessee. You're not getting some of these big matchups that we were getting ready for. You know, and it, you know, it eliminates a game like South Carolina versus Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. a cross-division matchup, but it's a rivalry game, or a cross-conference, I should say. And, you know, you're losing all those games. So what about the idea of expanding college football to at least eight teams this year? For a you know a one year only maybe use it as a trial run to see because we've talked about college football expansion 
know, mm-hmm. there's always when you limit it to four teams, there's always going to be that fifth team, that sixth team that kind of feels like they've been slighted. Yeah, and, I think this year specifically should be kind of like an experiment with that. You know, um, um, it's going to be a different schedule in general. So why not make the college football playoffs a little different um, than your typical four teams? And um, I know that's a primary topic, I guess, every single college football season. And there's always very, very talented teams that just narrowly missed out that probably deserve to be in the college football playoffs or can make a run for uh, one of those top teams. So, yeah, I think if they were to ever, I guess, expand or attempt to, I think now would be a good time for that. Yeah, I think so. When, when you factor in, you're not getting those big matchups. And, and I think this gives an opportunity for other teams to try and show, you know, prove their mettle. And that's the only way that they're really going to get to do it. Uh, right. You know, uh, one of the things for, for the Big 12, specifically in Texas, uh, they had UTEP on their schedule. Mm-hmm. So, and we're going to get into what could this mean for the Big 12 in a minute. But uh, Conference USA came out and said that, they can play as many non-conferences as they want. Uh, huh. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting that that they're taking that stance. UTEP's in Conference USA, and they have both Texas and Texas Tech on their schedules. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's an interesting take. <laughs> it, that's what I thought, too, because everybody else, all the Power Five, are, but, you know, maybe it was their way of – well, you have to look at it this way. The Conference USA doesn't bring in the money a Big 12 would. Uh, exactly a, a pac 12 would a, a big 10 would so a lot of times where they make their money are those fees that they get or that money that they get when they play these big teams you know mm-hmm. so i think that was one thing is they're looking at it not so much as a safety thing but more of the the financial aspect of it oh for uh, sure you know so i think that that's that's important and, and you gotta to realize why they're making these decisions but um you know, so now we're we're left with this question of what's the Big Twelve going to do, and and we thought we were going to have maybe some answers on Monday when the Big Twelve Media Day was scheduled, the virtual Media Day was scheduled to take place. Tom Herman was scheduled to speak about four o'clock. We were going to hear from Bob Bowlesby, Big Twelve Commissioner. What is what is the Big Twelve going to do? But in that all hell breaking loose, the Big Twelve almost immediately after news broke about the SEC scheduling, Big Twelve canceled their Media Day. Yeah. Interesting is Chris Kleiman, who is the head coach at Kansas State, was on a conference call, a Zoom call with media up there in Manhattan. And he told them immediately after I get off this call with y'all, I have an emergency meeting with the Big 12. So we're still awaiting to hear what exactly was what transpired. What did they talk about? Did they make any decisions as far as what the Big 12 is going to do scheduling wise? Uh, what is Texas going to do now? Because now one of their non-conference games is gone. Are they still going to play USF on September 5th? Are they still going to go ahead and play that week three matchup against UTEP? Uh, there's some questions there that we kind of need answers to um, to figure out what's going on. Uh, we know Oklahoma moved their uh, opening kickoff to week zero, August 29th. So they're trying to ramp up and get ready for football. They're, they're going to get ready for camp. Uh, so we need – a lot of questions to be answered right now. And and right now we don't have any clue on what's going on. Like you said, though, all the school, all the conferences have gone to this, either a plus one schedule or conference only. So that pretty much leaves the big 12 with only those two options. Yeah. That's pretty much always been the options. I guess Um, we were kind of just hoping for that full 12 game schedule, but that uh, I I guess in the grand scheme of things, that was always fairly unrealistic 
But um, I understand why they canceled the Big 12 media days. I mean, all those coaches are just going to constantly be fielding or would have constantly been fielding questions relating to the schedule and how they're preparing and things like that. And I just think um, most of them don't have answers to those questions. And um, it's just kind of the more of the unknown right now. And I think uh, we'll probably figure out uh, more details regarding the upcoming schedule, probably for most um, of the conferences within the next uh, week or so. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that are going to be on the field for the upcoming season. Now, let me tell you about our friends over at Rock Auto. I don't know about you, Cammie, but I don't like going into an auto place store, standing in line, standing at the counter, especially COVID-19. Some people don't like to wear their mask right now. I don't really want to be out there. And so this is a great thing. RockAuto.com, every make, every model, what you need. Uh, if you know our guy, who is our actually our boss at Locked On, Ross Jackson, he uh, he got his tailgate stolen off of his truck. What did he do? He went to RockAuto.com. He was able to get it, affordable price, got it, installed it on his own, and that's what they're offering for you is the ability to get these these parts at a cheaper price it's affordable and you don't have to go out in public and risk contracting COVID-19 I want you to go to rockauto.com check them out check out the low prices uh, and when you check out tell them your friends over at Lockdown Longhorn sent you So, Cammie, we're getting to this point now where players are getting ready for the season and they're changing jersey numbers. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, that obviously caught my eye, a couple of players changing jersey numbers. but um, And we forgot to actually talk about this a little bit on the last podcast, though. But um, Tariq Black is obviously a newcomer as well, wearing number zero. What do you feel about that? Uh, Agent zero, sub-zero. <laughs> I mean, there's so many nicknames that we can come up with Tariq Black. I personally think zero should be reserved for mascots. Yeah, it's, it just seems weird to watch, um, I guess, for any football player to be wearing the number zero. And obviously, I grew up a soccer player, and that was kind of like a goalkeeper's number, and I didn't even like it then. So um, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like zero is an actual number. But, I mean, it's kind of cool. It's different. I understand where he's coming from. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of odd. I expected Tariq Black to wear number seven like he wore at University of Michigan. That's what I was expecting. Uh, but to go back to the number zero, I guess they do it in basketball. I mean, NBA players wear zero, double zero. So it's not, I, I guess, like some crazy idea. It's just I can't recall ever seeing that in college football. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't think of um, a single time I've watched and it's like, oh, there's number zero. Or at least like a significant player like Tariq Black. Um, we'll get significant playing time. So, um, yeah, it's different. I mean, it'll definitely grab your attention. I mean, I guess it's not surprising with the amount of numbers available and the amount of players that are on scholarship. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, you, you're talking about a team that has over 100 players on it. Somebody's going to have to either have an odd number or obviously in college football they do the double numbers. So you'll have the number seven on defense, Caden Stearns. But now we got a number seven on offense – and it's not Tariq Black, but it's it's your guy, Jake Smith. It is. Jake Smith's my little pet cat. And 
<clears throat> I kind of like the change. I know I said um, I was a little indifferent to it at first, but uh, that's because I was comfortable with uh, Jake Smith wearing 16. But as a slot receiver, and I think the primary slot receiver, he's kind of in line to take that over that Devin DuVernay role. I think uh, seven is a good number for him. And obviously we know DuVernay was six and that fit him really well at that position. So, I mean, it, it fits Jake Smith. I was just, uh, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to. Cammy, why don't you be honest? You did not like it at first when I, I Well, I don't like anyone's change. I, I mean, I didn't like the number zero at first, but it'll grow on me. I didn't like um, Jordan Winnington switching from, I guess, 21 uh, to four. So it's, it'll just take a little bit of getting used to, but I understand position-wise why they did it. Yeah, it it, it makes sense, like you said. Uh, going number seven, and I guess that kind of tells us why Tariq Black didn't get number seven because Jake Smith's exactly. seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's the new guy, so I guess – in a way, seniority, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I mean, even though I think, um, you know, he's an upperclassman, uh, Jake Smith's been here, uh, was a big part of the team. Uh, but he's going to rock number seven. That's interesting. Uh, another new thing that they're going to have on their jerseys this season, aside from different numbers, Cammy, NCAA has approved that teams can wear patches to uh, support social justice. Uh, you know, just uh, it's, if you paid attention to the NBA in the bubble, they have Black Lives Matter painted on the floor. They're they're kneeling during the anthem. Uh, baseball's doing it as well. They put BLM. I saw them put that on the mound, the pitcher's mound. So I think this is just a way for the NCAA to allow players to voice their concerns to you know so their voice can be heard and they can promote certain social justice efforts. Uh, the post and the patches have to be approved by the school and the conference. Right. Yeah, I think that was actually a very uh, smart uh, move by the NCAA. So um, very interesting heading this season. I know it's an important topic for many, so um, I'm glad they were able to accomplish that. Yeah, and it's, I don't think it's going to be an issue at Texas, obviously. Tom Herman's been very vocal about having uh, having his players' backs, their fronts, mm-hmm. uh, basically even telling the players, you point to a wall and I'll run through it for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so he, you know, he's been very vocal about, you know, having his players back and standing up for what's right. And, you know, they made Texas came out and they made these, uh, I guess, suggestions, requests for things that they wanted to change. And it sparked a bunch of meetings between interim president Jay Hartzell, Chris Del Conte with the various sports groups. And, you know, they made some very good headway in that. And I and I think it was a positive thing. And and this is just another positive aspect that they're going to allow these players to voice their opinions, voice their concerns. I think it's great. Uh, so let's switch. We've talked about the jerseys. Let's talk about the helmets. Have you seen this? Oh, my gosh, yes. I've seen uh, actually a couple of schools go ahead and post their uh, new helmets for this season. And um, uh, they look kind of uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah, it's uh, so the new it's it's much like a visor, except it goes all the way down their face. Yeah, but and, what I noticed in the pictures is like the visor looks normal. Right. And then I noticed, uh, I guess, where the, kind of the face mask uh, mouth area is. It doesn't look like a hard plastic. It looks kind of like a um, I don't even know how to explain it, but it looks like you can kind of move that part around. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work. And they're also if you notice a lot of people are going, like, oh, you're going to have foggy mask, but. There's actually holes at the bottom for their breathing, uh-huh. um, you know. So it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I wonder how much more they're going to sweat in those helmets with with oh, that gosh. plastic, you know, kind of in front of their faces. So I I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know how well it's going to work, but I I knew that they were going to do something because I doubt they were going to allow the players to play uh, right. 
without some sort of covering. And, you know, I've seen some of the baseball players uh, wearing, uh, much like uh, Robinson Chirinos, who plays for the Rangers, he's the catcher. I've seen him wearing, like, a face mask underneath his catcher's mask. So it made me wonder, are they going to do something similar like that in football, and how does that affect their breathing while they're running up and down the field? Mm -hmm. Obviously, a catcher, it's a little easier because, you know, he's in one position for most of the game. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I think the players at this point uh, know it's going to be an odd and awkward type of season, but they're they're willing to do things like that just because they want to get on the field and play football. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether it works in general, um, whether there's any issues with it surrounding the players' complaints and things like that. But I think you have to try those necessary safety steps first. Yeah, you do have to try those. Uh, definitely have to try those because that's, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, that's a, That's a worrisome thing, right? Uh, you know, what, what are they going to do? How are they going to fix it? Um, so it's going to be really interesting. And, and I'm excited to see. And I'm sure they're going to toy with it during once they get into fall camp and we'll kind of get an idea. I'm sure players are going to be vocal about it, what they like, what they don't like, and how, how they kind of see this transpiring. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mount Rushmore's. Cammie, are you a big fan of Mount Rushmore's? Yeah, I actually enjoy uh, reading and, um, I guess, uh, trying to come up with these rankings at times. Yeah, we're definitely going to come up or we're going to talk a little bit about a Mount Rushmore, an ambiguous tweet from Tom Herman, and uh, we got a new commitment at the University of Texas. Kami, have you heard of Heartland College Sports website? Um, no, to be honest, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay, well, they are a uh, they're a blog site that covers Big Twelve football, mm-hmm. and so I was checking them out because they recently released their Mount Rushmore running backs in the Big Twelve, and they're talking about going back to the beginning of the Big Twelve in nineteen ninety six. Ooh. Interesting. Who, who is your four? Oh, God. You're making me really think here. Um, Ricky has to be up there. Okay. Or wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky has to be up there. Yeah, he was there towards, um, the, uh, towards couple the beginning. A couple of OU backs should be in there. Uh, were they up in the top four? Uh, there was one. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to think of the time frame right here. I almost went a little bit too far prior to 1996. Was the Marco Murray in there somewhere? Uh, he was under honorable mention. Okay. I'm not sure. Who else? Okay, so. Top four-wise. Top four, Ricky Williams, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I was going to say him, but I couldn't remember the year of when he played. Um, well, he was after Ricky, so obviously he would be in there. Yeah. Um, Cedric Benson. Mm-hmm who is actually still to this day the all-time leading rusher in Big 12 history. Because yeah, obviously think, when, when Ricky – He's kind of underrated in terms of Texas running backs because we always talk about Ricky and Earl and things like that. But um, Cedric definitely has his case. Yeah, Cedric was uh, the most consistent running back, I think, because of all four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not more consistent than Ricky, obviously. But uh, consistently rushing for 1,000 yards every season. Um, you know, like I said, he's the Big 12 all-time leading rusher because – Ricky was obviously started back when it was Southwest Conference and then uh, finished out his career as a Big 12 running back. Uh, the other one was Darren Sproles in the top four. 
Interesting. Uh, two names that I thought were interesting as far as their honorable mentions. Uh, they mentioned uh, DeMarco Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Torian Henderson out of Texas Tech were there. Uh, interesting. They were, that was their list. I, you know, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, obviously, I think it's a pretty much a no-brainer. you got to have Benson and Williams in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peterson, I think, is a no-brainer too. Right. Yeah, I think the the one you kind of look at and go, well, Sproles, maybe. I mean, Sproles was a good running back, but I think he was more of a specialist. Yeah, he's very versatile. Right. I mean, he could run for you. He could catch for you. He could, you know, obviously he was a good returner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when I looked at that, I was like, oh, okay. I can see it. Right. That's a good list. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It, it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks in the Ooh, Big 12. You know, not just Texas. That be fun. See, that one's tough because obviously you have – for Texas fans, they're always going to throw Colt and Vince in there. And I think you kind of have to. Right. At least in the conversation. Um, the all-time leading Big 12 passer is Landry Jones out of Oklahoma. Right behind him, you have Graham, Graham Harrell. Um, but if you talk about quarterbacks, Texas Tech has a bunch of guys that you could talk about. Right. Where, you know, where do you put Patrick Mahomes? Where do you put Cliff Kingsbury? Um, obviously, there's a lot of quarterbacks. So I think that one would actually be an even harder conversation. I felt like the running backs was more, the top three were set. It's just right. who else. Yeah. More cut and dry. Yeah. It's a lot more cut and dry, you know, maybe, and then maybe that might be a topic for a future episode. Uh, we might have to dive into who the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks of the big 12, maybe wide receivers. I mean, this could just spark a whole list of topics that we could discuss right here in locked on Longhorns. Um, Cami, so before we decided to record the episode today, Tom Herman took to Twitter and posted the hook'em emoji. <laughs> he always knows how to go down when that happens. He just did. That's all he did. And my yeah. response was, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because they did that. And then Texas football kind of did eyeball emojis and then the hook'em. And it's just like, it's like, I'm sitting around like, oh, I, I knew they can easily do this, but I'm like, what are you? So I, I thought two different things when I saw that tweet. So first, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, maybe some, maybe there's some positive news about the upcoming schedule or they figured out some details or something like that that he was happy about. Yeah. Or um, like, for example, it was a schedule that he kind of wanted or uh, it had to do with recruiting because we know how much they tease recruiting on that platform. So um, I figured it had to be one of the two. Brian Carrington is the worst. I know. At, at doing that. I love Brian. Uh, I think he's great. Um, uh, you know, I, so, but it's one of those things where they do that and you're like, I was like, come on, man. Can, can you give me yeah. something? Give me something. Uh, but shortly thereafter, we find out that uh, Faison Wilson out of Lancaster, Texas, has committed to the University of Texas, four star wide receiver, and he's the first commit of the 2022 class. Yes, I think that was huge. He's a big-bodied wide receiver. Um, Blue Chip, obviously, we've been uh, kind of begging for Texas to land a Blue Chip wide receiver um, in an upcoming class. So I think Texas is a very attractive landing spot for wide receivers or kind of um, uh, under-experienced, I would say, the position, young at the position. Um, And so I would definitely be intrigued uh, to come to Austin within the next few classes. So I think that was a huge get for them. Especially this guy, he's six foot four. Mm -hmm. You know, so he's a big-bodied receiver. Um, you know, it makes me wonder, though, if if that was a straight-up Mike Yersich 
get. Because um, obviously this guy he had offers from Texas, A&M, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Florida. You know, so he had these offers and it was almost like, I wonder if like he sees Mike Yersich come to Texas and he's like, okay, I'm going to go to Texas and play for Yersich. Uh, is this a Yersich get? Because if you if you look at like his history at, at Oklahoma, he had some really good wide receivers like a Justin Blackman. Yeah, and, and they've seen uh, his, I guess, tendency of kind of an air raid offense. So, I, like I mentioned, it's a, I think, not just uh, from a roster standpoint. I think uh, Yursich is obviously a, a very attractive offensive coordinator in terms of uh, being a big-bodied wide receiver like that. So, um, I think it was a great fit all around. Yeah, I think it is a great fit. It was just, you know, it's interesting um, bringing him in. And I wanted to go back to my previous point. You know, we talked about uh, Justin Blackman was there during Yursich, but also, Tylen Wallace was there when Yersich was there. Ooh, yeah. so, so he has the ability to get the most out of these guys, and maybe Wilson's looking at that going, hey, maybe I could be the next big wide receiver. Uh, Texas recently put a couple in the NFL. Uh, the year before that, they had little Jordan Humphrey. Um, so obviously, Texas has the ability to get wide receivers to the NFL, and that might be what Wilson's looking at. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of, I love his name, Bazon. Can you imagine saying that? That's a crazy name. Uh, and I, I look know. forward to saying I it. Think in, it's in the different. Very, I'll say it is different. I look forward to uh, messing that up on the podcast. Because <laughs> it I seems know. like that's what I'm good at. Um, you know, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in to the Locked On Big Ten podcast. I actually made an appearance today. I uh, talked a little bit about scheduling and, and expectations for Texas. Uh, but for Cammy, I'm Patrick. Keep it locked on. Hook 'em.